do what we just did, I would encourage you to start doing that, man. Not not just, you know, just, just take a few seconds and just relax. Take a few seconds and just focus on God. Turn everything else off. Because if we just be honest, you looked at me for a second, it, it feels good, man. We just want to... Just let God know that we know He's God, that He's in control, the things that are going on around us while they're loud, they got our attention, that God's more important. And tonight I want to take you to a verse as we get ready here um, for week number three of the first move, all right? The first thing we talked about, how many of you remember the first week, what we talked about, the fact that God made the first move, the first move was that He loved us first. That's important for us to understand because a lot of times it's hard to break the ice in a relationship. A lot of times it's hard to initiate the conversation. A lot of times it's hard to get things started. And Jesus started it for us. 1 John 4.19 says that he that we love Him because He first loved us. So that's the first week that we had was 1 John 4.19. We love Him because He first loved us. And then last week... We had the opportunity of looking at the fact that Jesus, that God thought about us first. The importance of this is, is before you were ever even born, before you ever even knew the concept of God, before you even knew your name, before your parents knew your name, God thought about you first. Psalms 139 says that He saw you before you were ever born. He saw you before you ever even knew anything about life. And so the first two weeks of this this idea of God making the first move was that God loved you first. It's important for us to, to review these things so that we can actually remember them, so we can actually apply them to our life. But then last week we talked about the fact that God thought about us first. So it's important for us to remember those things. But tonight, I want to talk to you about the subject, the title, the idea that not only did God love you first, not only did God think about you first, but I want you to hear this. God was perfect first. Jesus was perfect first. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes, but to get started, I want to read a Bible verse, and it's found in Matthew chapter number 5, and let's see, uh, verse number 17, I've got it right here, it says this. He says, don't misunderstand. This is Jesus talking. He's teaching people. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. Okay, this is a pretty big statement. This is Jesus, the Son of God, and he's talking to me and you. He's talking to everyone. And he says, this is why I've come. Don't misunderstand why I've come. So he's about to explain something. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I have not come to abolish the law of Moses. Okay, that's, that's the Old Testament. Right? The Old Testament is basically uh, most of the Bible, the front end of it, a lot of rules, regulations, do's, don'ts, and laws. All right, so Jesus is saying, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish or destroy the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to fulfill them, another translation says. And so tonight, I want to just go over a couple of things. Can anybody in here tell me just one of the Ten Commandments. Anybody? Alright, that's not bear fault witness. Basically, that's not lie. But say that. Anybody else? Shout out, kill. Alright, so these are some commandments. Alright, thank you. That's enough. We get the idea. The first, uh, the Ten Commandments were the first laws that God gave us. Alright, they're the first commandments that God gave us. 
Alright? The idea behind a command, the idea behind a commandment is that you should either do something or that you should not do something. And so God very early on is starting to tell you and me some things that we're supposed to do and some things that we're not supposed to do. Alright? And so really that's what we get caught up in a lot, are the do's and the don'ts. We want to know what we're supposed to do so we can do it, and we want to know what we're not supposed to do so we can stay away from it. Well, basically these commands are laws, rules, do's and don'ts. It's a request or a demand from any authority in your life. Alright, here's an example for you. How many of you have had your mom or your dad or whoever you're living with tell you, alright, you have to clean your room before... You go out this weekend, or I give you your iPhone back, your iPod, or you play Xbox, right? Just about everybody in here has had some type of situation like that, okay? Now, you don't necessarily hear that and think that your mom's commanding you to clean your room. But in essence, that's really what's kind of happening. She has laid something out there for you that you must do, okay? And you have two options, don't you? You're either going to do it, and you're going to fulfill her request, or you're going to fulfill her command, or... You're not going to do it, and what's going to happen? You're going to get in trouble. And so in your house, the, you know, the different consequences may be different. All right, In my house, it would have been, uh, I'm going to get the mess beat out of me, and I'm going to be uh, grounded, or my, my parents used the word probation sometimes, like I was in prison or something. It was weird. You know? And maybe you feel like that sometimes, but the point is, is that there's two options when a command is laid out. Either you obey it and fulfill it to every single letter, like do exactly what it says, or the punishment or consequences that are laid out for you must be taken in order for that command to be taken care of, right? All right, here's another example for you. Uh, how many of you ever had a project or a paper or a book report or something assigned to you in school, right? That should be everybody in here at some point in your life. If not, come see me. I'll get you to do me a book report or something. <laughs> no. But you get this, and the teacher gives you this assignment, all right? You have a deadline. You know what you're supposed to do. You know when it's due, and you know that you're going to be graded on it, okay? Not only do you have to do it, you're supposed to do it well. You have to at least kind of semi make it look like you know what you're talking about. You know, don't just throw something together. If you're like me, I'm the guy that pops my head off the pillow the night before, maybe even the morning of, and says, wow, I had so long to get something ready. Still didn't get anything done. I don't know if that's you, but that was me just about every single time. But the idea is this. They laid something out there for you to do. They told you you had to do this. We have two options in this scenario also. You either... Prepare, do your study, do your work, and actually do the assignment, or you don't do it, and what happens? You get in trouble, you get an F, you know, it's going to get back around to your parents that you just refuse to do an assignment that was you were told to do. And so, all that intro, just to say this, that when a command is given, you've got two options. Either you have to obey what is commanded, where you have to receive the punishment that's due for not obeying the commandment, right? So this kind of honestly sets up a little bit of a problem because the Ten Commandments are only ten of the different rules in the Bible. Because the Old Testament, if you look from Genesis to Malachi, the first few books of the Bible there, there are 613 different rules. You just heard the Ten Commandments, right? There's 613 things the Bible says 
thou shalt do this or thou shalt not do this. All right, you better do this or you better not do that. There's 613 of those, okay? If I told you not to touch wet paint, you could not do that. Am I right? I'm the same way. You pass wet paint, you've got to touch it. You go, you pass this person, stay off the grass. How I many you walk right across the grass every time? Psh, tell me what I'm going to do. I'll get all over that grass right now. You know what I'm saying? So the idea is this. When we're told that we can't do something, our natural reaction is we want to do it. We just have to. All right? And when we're told that we shouldn't do something, we want to do it. And when we're told that we should do something, we don't want to do it. It's our natural reaction to any authority, to any commandment, to any law, to any rule, is we don't want anything to do with it. We just don't want to participate. All right? So we're going to look at a couple of things. There's a problem here, though. Out of these 613 different rules, laws, regulations, the do's and don'ts that we find in the Bible... They're the same as every other commandment. Each and every single one of the 613 rules and regulations and laws that you find in the Bible demand obedience, but they also have a consequence to them if you don't obey them. This is a big deal here, okay? Because number one, it's a big deal if you disobey your mom, but how do you know it's probably a bigger deal if you disobey the law would you be more scared of your mom or policeman? Some are like, my mom, bro. You don't know my mom. <laughs> All right? But here's the deal. The idea is the more powerful or the more respect or the more authority that this figure has, the bigger deal the offense is. So if your mom tells you not to do something and you do it, that's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But if God tells you not to do something and you do it, that's a little bit bigger deal. Don't you think? You understand what I'm saying? If someone tells you to do something and you don't really care who they are, you're like, whatever. Then you, in your mind, you think there's no consequences. But when you know that your mom and your dad are your authority and they can dish out some consequences, some discipline, some punishment, and you hear from them something you have to do, that's a little bit bigger deal. But when you start moving up to the fact that God has given you and me 613 things that we're supposed to do that we're not supposed to do, that poses a big problem because I cannot do that. You cannot do that. And see, there's two options here as well. You can either do each and every single one of these 613 commandments, or you cannot do them and take the punishment, which will end up fulfilling the commandment anyway. So I've got something for you tonight. We all know that we're not perfect, am I right? Have you ever made a mistake in your life? Okay? A couple of you, I think, need some convincing here. The Bible says that no one is good, no, not one. The Bible says that every single one of us that have ever taken a breath on this earth are sinners, that we all fall short of the glory of God. You've heard me refer to it as God's glorious standard. His, his standard for living are these 613 commands. You are commanded, demanded, and expected to live a perfect life in the eyes of God. How many of you can do that? Nobody. Nobody can live a perfect life in the eyes of God. Okay? So you say, well, what's my second option? Obviously, I can't obey all 613 of these laws. All 613 of these rules. Obviously, that ain't happening. So what's the next option? Just like any other commandment, there is punishment that must take place because you're not going to obey those. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. 
The Bible says that the punishment and discipline do me and you because we can't obey all 613 of these laws is eternal hell and separation from God. How many, is that, how many of you in here get fired up when you hear that? Nobody. Because I've just described to you a situation where you are completely helpless. I've just described to you a situation where me and you are completely left alone and incapable of doing anything. We all just agree that we cannot obey 613 commands that God gives us perfectly. But we also understand that the Word of God is true and God cannot lie. And He says that if we break one of these commandments, that we are offending an almighty, holy, perfect God. And we are due what the Bible refers to as hell. That leaves us needing to be rescued. That leaves me and you needing a Savior. That leaves me and you hanging on the edge of our seat, hoping and waiting for anything, wishing for some other option. And so the whole Old Testament, as you read up, is constant, constant telling you what to do and constantly telling you what not to do. And it's leading up to this one event in history. It's leading up to this one person. It's leading up to this one life. It's leading up to this one thing that you could not do on your own that Jesus did. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 17 that we just read says all those laws and prophets that we were talking about, 613 of them. Jesus said, don't make the mistake and misunderstand that I've come to destroy those laws. I have come to fulfill them. Jesus fulfilled all 613 of those commands because you couldn't. Remember just a few minutes ago when you said, I'm not perfect? You can't do that. You can't be perfect. Remember a few minutes ago when you raised your hand and said you made a mistake? That's at some point along the way you broke one of those 613 commands that God gave you. So in that very moment, the Bible tells us that if you offend one part of the law, you're, you're guilty of all of it. So everybody in here is on the same playing field. We're all hopeless. We all can't do it without God. And we all need something else to come in and accomplish this for us. That's where Jesus comes on the scene. And when Jesus comes on the scene, these 613 commands are still demanding and commanding attention and respect. They're still demanding that they are fulfilled. Someone still has to do everything that they say. Someone still has to do it perfectly. And when Jesus came to this earth, listen to me, not only did He obey all 613 commands absolutely perfectly so that you wouldn't have to, He knew that you and I were going to mess up. So not only did He fulfill them by obeying them, He also fulfilled them by taking your punishment. He left there no question marks for you and me. He said, I have made it possible for you to reconnect with God because when you disobeyed one of those 613 commands, you were disconnected from God and you and I were due eternal punishment and separation from God. But when Jesus came on the scene and He obeyed every single day 613 commands and so much more, perfect on your behalf and on mine because we cannot. When He did that, He opened up a door that was never opened before. It was the opportunity for me and you to claim what He had did 
in his life and on that cross so that we can reconnect to God. He went on to die on the cross after living a perfect life because me and you made those mistakes. And those mistakes, the Bible says, like I mentioned a second ago, that those, that those mistakes, those sins, are the, the wages of that is death. What you and I are doing is separation from God. But because of what Jesus did and His mercy and His love towards you, He looked down from heaven and He saw and He knew that you were going to do the things that you do, that I was going to do the things that I do, and that we were going to fall short of those 613 rules. Listen, apart from Jesus, the only way to get to heaven is to obey every single one of those rules. But you can't do that. I can't do that. It is completely impossible for you to live a perfect life. And so Jesus lived this perfect life for you and for me, and He died on the cross to not only erase your sins, but to allow you to claim His righteousness and the perfect life that He lived on your behalf. A commandment has to be fulfilled. You either have to obey it perfectly, or the assignment or the, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the punishment that's assigned has to be delivered. So those one or two options have to happen. But when Jesus came on the scene, He did both. When Jesus came on the scene, He did both. He obeyed them perfectly. And He took the punishment of not obeying them. I want you to hear that for a second. You missed everything else I said. If you've been talking, if you've been doing whatever, just focus these last few minutes. And I want you to hear this. Jesus obeyed those commands perfectly. Yet He took the punishment of someone who disobeyed every single one of them. And more. He took the guilt, the shame. You know what I'm talking about. Right after you make the mistake that you know that you shouldn't make, Right if you make a choice, right if you think about that thing you're not supposed to do, say that thing you're not supposed to say, go somewhere you're not supposed to go, do something you're not supposed to do, and you begin to feel guilt, and you begin to feel shame, and you get all wrapped up inside yourself thinking, I'm not good enough, how could God love me? In that moment, that's what Jesus took away from you. He didn't just take away the punishment for your sin. He also bore the guilt, the shame, and everything that comes with it. Every single thing. So in closing, we've established that we cannot be perfect. And we've established that commands have to be fulfilled by either obeying them or by taking the punishment. There's no way out on our own, and it leaves us desperate. It leaves us in need of a rescue. It leaves us in need of a Savior. Jesus fulfilled those commands with a perfect life. And Jesus took the punishment for our not obeying them. Each and every one of you, and myself, given a few seconds to fill up a page and pages and pages of things that we wish we had never done. Every one of us. Friend, I want you to look at me. Those things that you would write on that page make it impossible for you to spend eternity with God. 
the mistakes that you make make it impossible unless you accept the fact that Jesus lived the perfect life for you. He gave you His righteousness. He gave you His good decisions. He gave you His perfect record. And He died on the cross to erase your imperfect record. That is salvation. That is knowing that you are going to spend an eternity in heaven. My friend, God has reached out to you and He loves you first. Before you ever even took your first breath, He knew who you were. He planned your life out for you. And He looks down at you and loves you as you are His own son and His own daughter. He thought about you first. Before you ever had your first thought that you could remember, He knew every single thing about you. Everything. He knew your mistakes. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets. And He still loves you. And He still sent His Son to die for you. And Jesus still willingly gave His life for you. And He still willingly lived a perfect life. And did not enjoy the liberty and freedom that you enjoy in Christ. But He lived all of that. Because He loves you. And tonight as you stand your feet. Go ahead and stand your feet. And you look to the ground. You bow your head. You close your eyes. There are people in here tonight that have never understood that Jesus was perfect first. That Jesus did everything necessary for them to experience perfection and holiness and blameless in the eyes of God. Friend, if you go and you step before God and you say, I did pretty good, that's not going to work. If you say, hey, I've got some friends that were good and I made it to church occasionally and hey man, my favorite band was a Christian band and, and I even wore good t-shirts and I tried not to cuss and, and I said I was sorry when I thought like I should and, and all this and, and you're looking at God and He says, that's not, that's not at all. I said, at all what we're looking for here. He demands perfection. The only answer that you can give back to God on that day when you look Him in the eye is Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid every single bit of it for me. I made mistakes. Jesus didn't make mistakes. I made mistakes. Jesus did not make mistakes. I deserve the punishment, but Jesus took the punishment for me. That is full trust and belief and faith in Jesus. When you know that when you stand before God that there's not a single thing that you can say that earns your way and your favor and your right standing with a holy, perfect God who demands the very same thing out of you. You say, Casey, I'm in here tonight and I have never understood what you said tonight. I thought that I had something to do with it. I thought that I had to I had to live right. I had to make a good choice here or there somewhere. I thought that God was overly interested in my mistakes and overly interested in my perfect performance. I thought He was looking at my every move. 
Don't bow your head. Don't close your eyes. If that's you in here tonight, you say, Casey, I've never understood that. I never understood that Jesus did everything for me. And you want to believe that tonight. You want to know. You feel that God is drawing you. You understood for the first time that Jesus loves you first. That God loves you first. That he thought about you first. That he was perfect before you were ever even born. Listen to me. Before you ever even made your first mistake, God had already made all these decisions about you and who you were and where your life was going to be and that He would love you anyway. Don't throw it all away for the things that this world has to offer you. There is nothing in this world worth what I just described to you. Nothing. There's not a thing in this world more valuable than the fact that Jesus presents you perfect, holy, blameless, and faultless. If you're here tonight and you say, Casey, I have never trusted in the fact that Jesus saved me. I did not save myself. That Jesus presented me perfect. That Jesus lived the perfect life for me. If that's you and you have never made that decision, I want you to raise your hand. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. I see your hand. Thank you. Everybody's looking down. say, Casey, I'm in here tonight, and I believe that I've, I've understood, and I've made the decision, and I'm trusted in Jesus, and, and, and you've reminded me from the Word of God tonight that, that, I, that I have to throw everything on Him lately. I've been trying to pick it up myself. I've been trying to impress God. I've been trying to get His attention. Friend, you can't impress God. But Jesus did. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do to impress God. You say, Casey, in here tonight, I've been trying to pick it back up. and I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying to get God's attention. I've been trying to make Him happy with me. I've been trying to earn His favor. I've been trying to earn His love. You say, Casey, tonight, I want to I again reassure myself and everyone around me that I'm completely, fully trusting in Jesus and nothing else. If that's you in here tonight, you want to just kind of restart it. You just want to rekindle that flame. You want to get it fired back up. You want to spark your interest in your love and your affections for God. You say, I want to do it again. I want to get back to where I know I should be. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand here tonight. Hands all over the room. That's right. Yeah. Jesus, you see the hands and more importantly, you see the hearts. I ask you right now that you, your Holy Spirit, would speak through the Word of God and that you would wrap yourself around their hearts and their minds, their souls, their spirits, and you would not let them go. That they would think about it, that they would dream about it, that they would know that you and you alone present them perfect and holy, that through you all things are made new, that through you salvation can be had, a life can be lived that brings you glory. God, we want to worship you tonight. We want to proclaim to you that you are holy. That you are holy. That you are holy. It's our desire tonight, God, to worship you because you are holy when we couldn't be. That you were perfect when we couldn't be. That you said yes when we couldn't say yes. That you said no when we couldn't say no. That you died on the cross because we were bound to mess it all up. So tonight we miss you.
you up and we praise you and honor you and glorify you and worship you because you are holy. This song is going to begin to play in the background.